welcome to Hit for Six. We're back. Uh, well, Michael, it's been a long time since we've last done a podcast, but events on Sunday, I think, meant we had to catch up and speak. Ring the podcast emergency klaxon controversy. We need to get our thoughts out to everyone who wants to hear it. I, I even had a colleague ask me yesterday, have you, have you done a podcast on it? I'd like to I'd like to hear your perspective. I think there was a, it was a sense that he felt like even I was there, I might have a slightly different perspective and I know you were there too. Um, wild scenes. I mean, I don't know where to start. Do we, I, we, I don't want to talk about the rest of the ashes before we've spoken about the no. stumping, the long room and the Ben Stokes innings, the broad comments. That has to be front and centre. No, let's start here. Let's start where it matters, what everyone's talking about. Because it's been really frustrating me too, because the amount of whataboutery and false comparisons that you see on social media, endless. And it's doing my head in, because I'm not like someone who's completely rabid and thinking they should all be sent straight back to Melbourne on the steamer ship. But I am annoyed, and I don't think people are talking about it in the right way. I don't think people are reflecting what hunters are feeling i completely agree uh i also got really i made the big mistake on the sunday evening and monday morning of reading the comments section from the daily mail the telegraph the sydney morning herald um the times of india don't don't go there (laughs) yeah (laughs) toxic toxic environments those comment sections and it really they actually upset me a little bit so i'm i'm trying to keep my head in my my own thoughts i think my thoughts are reasonable about it and i'm going away from show public rob you withdrew yourself from all social media which wasn't helpful when trying to publicize the pod to withdrew yourself from any toxic environments and then you just Put your swimming shorts on and dive into the most toxic waters you could possibly find of this comment section. I don't understand. I've I've learned my lesson. I'm not going back there on any of them. Um. Well, let's start with the the stumping. We're both agreed it's out. Technically, it's out. So it, it is technically out. So, and so that so the first thing is Ben Stokes going talking to the umpires makes absolutely no difference. And if I was him, I wouldn't have started there. I wouldn't have gone and spoken to the umpires because. At the end of the day, all they could, might be able to do is go and mediate on your behalf. So actually, I think it's quite cowardly for the umpires to just send it upstairs because it's obviously out. Oh, they, they send every run out, every stumping upstairs. That's how they they did it for uh, who got stumped coming down Travis Head to Root, and he was he was well out. But they still went back and sort of checked the stumping there. So I think that's what they do every time. And so I guess so. The umpires. Not only go at them, but there's no point. If that's the only thing they're doing, there's no point going and talking to them because it's clearly out. For me, the only way it's getting not out is by Pat Cummins withdrawing the appeal. So I think the only chance of that happening was Stokes going over to him and saying, look, Pat, and you, do, did you, I don't know if you noticed, there was a bit earlier in the test where Stokes had to pull out while he was batting and you hear him shout, sorry, Pat, sorry, sorry, Pat. And it just struck me as really familiar and really friendly. They clearly know each other. So, yeah, he just goes go over to Pat and say, look, so, Pat, is this the way you want to play the series? You're cool. But that didn't happen. And the Australians are completely cock hoop as soon as it happened. And off Bairstow went steaming. Yeah. I mean, so we're saying definitely out. Bairstow, definitely an idiot as well. Are we agreed in that? I mean, don't Always. Know what he's doing. Always. Criminal. I, I don't know. I, I know I... 
I always wait. It's just built into me. You wait till the umpire is over, then you go. And he's just, he's off. Very, uh, he's off very quickly, too quickly. Every ball. Yeah. So I think on that, he's been daft and we can we can agree on on that front. And Carey, we both agreed that it was pretty instinctive. He threw it kind of right away. It was instinctive. It wasn't instinctive in that it was a plan. It was in it was a plan. They've spoken about that. They've said, yeah, we noticed he was doing that. And so we thought we'd try it. So it wasn't just a spur of the moment thing. I do find it quite funny, by the way, Alex Carey at the centre of this, because he is the blandest cricketer known to man. He has never been at the centre of any controversy in his fairly lengthy career at any point. And he's just done this. Shrug shoulders. Yeah, I've done it. Like, doesn't give a toss. Like, him walking up the steps. We'll get to this, but I know. But watch him walking up the steps in the pavilion. He is just so chill. He's just swinging from a bottle of water. He could be anywhere. So I find him quite a funny centre of all of this. Definitely. As Stuart Broad says, it will be you'll be remembered for this forever, mate. It'll be in your obituary. Um, But so don't mind so much it happening. It's the withdrawing the appeal. So, Michael, your head's on the block. Well, what do you think? Should Pat Cummins have withdrawn the appeal and been the good bloke or should he have stuck with it and said tough? Well, I do think he should have withdrawn the appeal or they should have given a warning before it. They, which I guess would be the same, which amount to the same as withdrawing the appeal. Um, but I definitely think he should have. Pat Cummins and this whole Australian cricket team's done this whole rebrand, and I don't want to go into Pat Cummins and what he's done before because I don't want to be one of these crusty old Australian pros who gets angry at Pat Cummins for taking an environmental stance because I think that's great that he takes an environmental stance and he does has up to this point seemed like a genuinely decent guy too good to be true almost like a Superman like character he looks a bit like Superman but then this is his re- he's really let himself down he really has they didn't need to get Bester out like that Bester probably would have got himself out within the next few overs they were still heavy favourites to win that match they just didn't need to do it like that so he definitely should have withdrawn the appeal for me, there was something in the almost the, the Pat Cummins mask slipping that reassured me a bit because basically he's better looking than me. He's better at cricket than me. He's probably better at customer service and sales than I am. It just happens that that's my job and he's too good at cricket to need to do that for a job. He's this sort of perfect man, almost the man I wish I was. And so uh, seeing him being a little bit of a, a snide bloke and even in the press conference when he really doubled down in a way that I, I wasn't quite okay with. Okay. Okay. That was yeah. that was funny. That was funny. And the one thing I liked was when they said the lab was like, "Do you think we'll see underarm bowling and mancads?" And his response was, "Well, we'll see how flat the wickets are," which I thought was funny. Um, this is the thing. I'm not so angry that I can't see the humour in the situation. I just, and I can see how ridiculous, in some ways, the English reaction is, and in some ways, like these very toffee MCC blokes screaming, and I don't like. We'll talk about this, but I, I don't know. I think it's a weird look if you particularly go after Usman Khawaja, who's the most chilled out, laid back player in that team. Um, we'll come on to that. Um, yeah. But just while we're on the, we remain on the kind of specific, uh, the specific incident. I agree with you. I think he should have withdrawn. I think he had the opportunity to sort of rise above the game and everyone to remember because I think Australia are winning anyway, uh, and to say because Bairstow, we know what he's like. He gets out after like twenty. Stokes wouldn't have I'm not sure there's always you don't know what would have happened right but there yeah. was a genuine argument that the situation made that that that's 
that incident almost made it more likely for us to win because it activated Ben Stokes mode, which maybe we wouldn't have seen otherwise. Arguably, we might have anyway, because he clearly also did it tactically. Like, OK, I'm now batting with Stuart Broad. I've got to go because of how long our tail was. So he might have done that after him and Bairstow had added another 50 runs. So maybe, yes, we would have won. It's You never know. So clearly it did hurt us. Um, but, the, I, but I think he had the opportunity to go down as a, uh, a, a hero, remembered for so much more than than just the, uh, the, the them winning this series, but remembered as sort of upholding that nebulous concept of the spirit of cricket. We... I, I hate that term. I really hate <laughs> We'll get onto that as well. I hate that term. I think that term has so many awful connotations, which makes everyone hate England. But just before, before we get there, and I agree with you because they're winning 2-0. So they're winning 1-0 already. They've won the World Test Championship. They're probably going to win this Ashes. And he gets to be the bigger person. Like, and he gets to be better at local government work and better at customer service work, better at everything than both of us and the whole world. So, yeah, Pat Cummins could have really come out a winner and instead kind of just torpedoes himself and this new positive culture. Just to, on the nuance of it, because I think it was wrong and I don't think it should have happened. And it's done my head in all these videos of Besto trying to run people out this series in the same way. Well, it's not the same if Marnus Lavashane is batting out of his crease. Thank you. Yes, exactly. He's trying to get an advantage that way. So anyone who bats out the crease knows I've got to be more wary of stumpings, whether I'm facing pace or spin. So that's different. Um, It's also different if a New Zealand player gets out in a very unfortunate way, having whacked it into the non-striker and goes to the mid-on fielder without it bouncing. Of course England are going to claim that. That's just unlucky. It's also different if a New Zealand cricketer gets run out at the non-striker's end after an LBW appeal because the ball is clearly still live while the team are appealing. Everyone knows that. It's when you try and scramble a leg by. So these false equivalences, or Brendan McCullum running someone out, well, he bloody apologised for it and said, I regret it. And all he's saying now is they'll regret it. So all of these things, which I'm mostly seeing from annoying nerdy cricket fans being like well how about this time or how about this time England or England would never celebrate this so all of that could shut up but the one nuance bit is if Kerry had missed would England have run an overthrow probably like I I do think if he'd done a wild throw I think if he'd done a wild throw and it had beaten mid on would England have taken the runs yes they definitely would have taken the runs so I'm not convinced the ball was as dead dead as Bairstow's making out to be. And I think, again, that comes back to Bairstow being a bit foolish. I disagree with that. I agree with everything you said until that last point. Because I honestly think, you know, he's marked his guard, he's walking down, they throw it. I think he's looking around confused. Like, what are you doing? I think he would look around confused, but I think if somehow, and this is unlikely, right, because it's Kerry and he's not going to be an idiot and do a terrible throw. But I think if he did do a terrible throw, Bester would be a bit like, what are you doing? Okay, yeah, run through, because they're in a run chase and they want every run they can get. Yeah, I'm I'm still not convinced that's happening. But I, I, everything else I agree. All these equivalents, they just aren't equivalent. The only one which I have found is an equivalent, which is hilarious, is that W.G. Grace did exactly the same thing in the 1882 Ashes to an Australian... <laughs> and so when we view it in the context of like spirit of cricket, MCC, etc., it is funny that like the Grace Gates that stand a few hundred yards from the pavilion, named after him, that their gate, those gates did namesake the person there. That is off, funny. Did that the most iconic Victorian cricketer, uh, and said I was teaching the Australian player a lesson. 
Um, well, perhaps caring well, comes into well, the same semester. But everyone knows WG Grace is a terrible bloke. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> that's not new. And he should, probably shouldn't be Grace Games. Um, that's a separate thing. Like, there's so many things to unpack in it. Like, so we talked about the incident itself. Can we talk a little bit about, because I've got some views on this, the crowd reaction, same old Australia, always cheating. Yeah. Whether that's fair, what that comes from. I, well, it clearly comes from the fact that seven of the 11 played in Cape Town. Uh, that that can't be escaped. This is the same era. They're claiming it's a new era, but over half of the team and all the key players, Stark, Cummins, I believe, was playing, Hazelwoods, Lyon, Warner, Smith. Yeah, all, all those guys were Kawaja. They were all playing in Cape Town. I think the only ones who weren't were Carey, Heads, and um, Labashane, and, and Green. They're the four who mm-hmm. were. All the others were, were playing. It's the same team, basically. And so and they've got a reputation as a cohort based on what they did. And I know they'll say it was one test match. A lot of people in cricket think it was far more than one test match. And they've just and- and I know they'll say I was only three people. Mitchell Starks come out and said, and said uh, Mitchell Stark and Evelina come out and said how angry they are about it because it puts them in a it puts it costs a lot on them. Well, I'm sorry if you're a seam bowler and you're a spin bowler, you know every single inch of that ball, you know every bit of that seam, you know exactly what state that ball's in. Previous cricketers have talked about this. Uh, I, they definitely I, knew, and Mitchell Stark hasn't been able to swing the ball anywhere near as much since, apart from when casting Ollie Pope. Um, Ollie Pope against Australia is a sad, sad thing. From my own experience as a 19-year-old, getting chucked the ball by a former PE teacher who I now play cricket with, and one side of the ball completely scuffed out first ball of an innings. Uh, I knew that he let his studs loose on that ball. You you do know. I was a bit young to say, oi, let's get another ball. I think now I would do because I'm a, I'm 27, not 19. Um, but I think... Wait, you definitely know. Yeah, you know. So they they know that is them. They've tried to rebrand themselves as like, oh, we're such good blokes, good blokes alliance. You know, aren't we all friendly? Let's do an Amazon Prime PR series to make us seem so much nicer on our road to redemption. And that still hangs over them. I think that is a big part of that. That's why the chant kind of rings out. So that's a really important context. Um, Did the crowd overreact? Definitely. Did I overreact? Definitely. Did Although me and I... you both join in the chance? Definitely. A hundred percent for the entire day. But I would say that throughout, I was sat next to a South African on my left and um, two um, people I took on my right who were both Indian cricket fans rather than rather than English fans. And they all thought it was kind of out of order and were finding it quite funny. And I think I found it quite funny as well. So when I see the scenes in the long room, when I start to see people around me where the red mist did descend, I don't think the red mist did descend with me. I was playing into almost the pantomime of it. Well, which I was, yeah. I found the funniest thing every time there was a player miss. Was, that, was, <laughs> <laughs> that was the thing I enjoyed the most just because it was so silly and slightly ironic. But yeah, I didn't, the best, the best didn't send for me. I wasn't genuinely angry. It's just more you're fueling what you hope is a miracle run chase. You're, you're fueling what you hope is an atmosphere that will drag England over the line and discombobulate Australia to the extent that they keep bowling bounce at Ben Stokes, which they didn't, which we'll get on to. But yeah, but then like long run thoughts. Okay, so I think they, I mean, I think it's a worse look than what actually happened. When you actually look at it, I don't nothing yeah, it, it they were getting booed. They were getting a bit of 
a bit of jib. They were getting that all around the ground. They come off at any ground, anywhere. They get the same. Now, the long room is a special place, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, but nonetheless, I don't think anything particularly out of order has been said. There was one allegation of someone trying to trip Steve Smith and David Warner. I don't know if that's true or not. If that is, then that person can seriously do one because, I mean, what's that about? But apart from apart from that, I don't think that much actually really happened. And I do think Australia tried to pivot, like make a big deal out of the whole thing to try and take the moral high ground. And it's, it's, it's worked. It has worked. No doubt. And I don't think they're necessarily wrong in doing that. I think the scenes in the long room are uglier and worse probably than the Carey uh, stumping and that's run out to begin with. But, um, and on that, I know you mentioned a moment ago that it looked a particularly bad look with Kawaja. It did seem like Kawaja just like nibbled harder. I know people say he's a super calm, chilled out Blake, but it does seem like he nibbled in a way where some of the other, you know, Smith is just head down, just get upstairs. Um, and so it doesn't seem, and I know there's no allegations, and Kawaja, well, I don't know if Kawaja has, but Australia have made it really clear, no, no racist comments made, not, nothing of that nature at all. Um, but they, it, I think it seems unfo- it's unfortunate optics that he's the one who's nibbled, but I don't mm. think I don't think it's specific. I think the whole thing just screams unfortunate optics is the thing with the long room, and I think that's why it's been so easy for Australia to turn it around. Because if you've just got a load of, you know, look, I know you're a member of the MCC. I'm trying to become a member of the MCC. You know, we're both like... Both our dads yeah, are members of the MCC. Exactly. So, like, but I think we can... I think we're also fairly open in talking about quite how private and exclusive a thing it is and how that's not right and how it is full of very upper-class people and it's not a super inclusive thing. And I'm happy saying that. And I think it does need reforming. Um, and if they don't let me in for saying that, well, then that's that, I guess. But I think the optics are particularly bad when it's all these incredibly posh people, very red in the face, screaming in a very fancy room. It just doesn't look good. Like, I think Emma John just wrote a piece in The Guardian saying, this shows how the MCC needs to reform. And I was saying to my dad, one positive out of this is it shines a light on institution and the need for change in an institution, which most of the time kind of likes operating in the background and doesn't really want that light shone on it. So in a way, that's good. And the optics are always going to be bad. I do think probably over time, we'll find out a little bit more about what happened there. We'll find out a little bit more about what was said, if there was a trip, if there was a shove. You know what I mean? At the moment, it still is a little bit unclear. But yeah, it didn't look great. Um, I agree, it doesn't look great. I I would say on the MCC membership profile, now, I because I'm a playing member and most of my interactions with MCC members are are playing games uh, rather than the more kind of like committee side and, and the Lord side of things. There's a lot of people who play MCC games who are not from certainly not from Eaton, Harrow, Radley, Tunbridge, um, and they're from various places around the country. And I know multiple people in the um, pavilion who you know, if you who were in the pavilion that day, who if you spoke to, they've got northern accents. They're from the Midlands. They're um, they're kind of hard hardened league cricketers who love their cricket and have qualified as an MCC member because they're they're good cricketers and they're good blokes. Uh, and so I don't think it's quite as a kind of closed shoppers people realize or certainly not quite as pub maybe it's a closed shop because they're still within the cricketing they're just good at cricket and they live in that kind of world but it's not so i'll take that comment back but what i meant more is that it's not quite as a public school or super rah rah posh 
as perhaps the media like to portray it and which those sort of images suggested they were. I think That's it's I, I think it's definitely it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, this is probably worth a podcast on its own, the MCC, but I think it's difficult because if you walk through Lords and you get to the section of the ground, which is near the pavilion, you can feel it, you can see it, you you it it's very tangible. But maybe that's the loud minority. I don't think it is. I think it is still fairly... I think it is still mostly dominated by that. Look, you can see it by the vote on the Eaton Harry thing, right? If you oh. wanted to do it, if you wanted to do a count, you can still see maybe the majority is not as big of that point of view anymore as it used to be, which is good, and that's changing, probably through the advent of playing members um, and the diversity that brings. But I think there's still that majority. I think but, that's but that takes time. That takes time. Agreed. I mean, the thing I was just struck by is you need four, four uh, recommendations from inside the club. I mean, that's how you keep it fairly closed. They're they're starting to shift that a bit. I that's think good. It's it's reduced to two or something. I I can't remember quite what it is, but there's they've got a new uh, um like a, I forgot the word I'm looking for. Basically, the per- person who oversees the becoming a member kind of stuff. He's a top bloke, and they're starting to change the admissions. That's what I'm looking for. The admissions right. is starting to uh, to loosen, focus slightly more towards playing and, and stuff like that, which I think is I think is welcome. That's good. That's good. But all right, so we talked about that. We talked about not go optics. It is frustrating that it's turned around people's views of the incident because the, the thing I mentioned at the start of this podcast is I don't think the people talking about it, and there's a lot of young cricket journalists who kind of delight in saying, "Well, it's out. It's out. It's out." You can't argue with that, it's out. And it's like, well, just take the nuance of it. Take the gut feeling that you will have felt and others will have felt as it happened, that this isn't right. This isn't how you get someone out. He wasn't trying to take an advantage. It's not fair. And yeah, that that's how I feel about it. And I don't think that's been reflected enough. And I think there's all and there's all this noise about the MCC stuff, which means the Australians have semi got away with it. But what what I would also say, sorry, last couple of things on the MCC, I thought Guy Lavender, the chief exec, he stood up. Um, at lunch and said before the Australian players came out and said something to those in the long room basically being like oh you watch it and, and then for the rest of it when they came back in at the end of the game and all the rest of it there were no issues whatsoever and I also think they moved really really quickly to suspend the three people who seem to have done stuff that's particularly out of order uh, whether the punishment that gets doled out to those um, those three members I think is something that uh, it depends on what's been said. It depends on what Australia say and whatever. So I don't really want to get into that. But I do think the how the club then respond you know, in the moment, very difficult in that moment, but how the club then reacted and how the mm-hmm. Lavender, the CEO, then got ahead of it and tried to mitigate and how people behaved um, as the day progressed uh, was, was, was a positive as well, which people don't want to talk about because they've got that one little snapshot, which looks really bad. Um, but I, I thought it... Uh, yeah, I thought they did well there. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough, agreed. Um, should we talk a bit about the uh, Stokes innings that followed? Yes, definitely. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I had a, a a colleague message me yesterday who doesn't really like cricket that much, and he said, "I don't think there are many better sights in sport than Ben Stokes in one of those moods." And I agree, those three sixes of Cameron Green, one of them he got a little bit lucky where Stark dropped it over the boundary, but the other two were massive. And he hit, he's hitting them so far in front of square, but he's picking them up so early. And he just felt for a second, surely not. 
They almost hit. They almost hit my dad. He like thudded into the scoreboard right above my dad's head, where he had div- div- dived down for cover. He didn't see the first one. Third one went just above him as he dived down. Like he, he said, he felt genuinely in danger in the stands, which is quite quite funny. Actually, sorry, I know we wrapped that bit up, but just to say, my dad's reaction to the incident was he turned around and started to leave, and then was like, "No, actually." I want to see what happens. And he actually went and stood quietly in the back of the long room because he thought something might happen there. And so he got, being a historian, I guess it was his instinct. But yeah, he saw that view. He got a view of it all happening in front of him, which is quite funny. Um, And it just, well, I remember, Nathan Lyon got clapped in rapturously after batting on one leg. So crowds get it, right? Like crowds get when something's good and something's right and something's being done properly in the right in the right way. And they also get when something's wrong and then they turned on them. So it's not like the crowd was against the Australians from ball one of that day. No, they it was wrong and they turned on it. So, yeah, so I've opened it back up again. I'm shutting it again. No, no, you're back. right. Come I on. completely agree. Um, but no, Stokes was fantastic. I thought Broad did really well um, and we got close. But I thought at one point I was really interested. I mean, Cummins put everyone on the boundary early, trying to dry up the boundaries. One of the things I could see Stokes was struggling with is that the the grandstand boundary was longer and it's mm-hmm. uphill and he didn't feel confident in taking that shot on. So that meant he could only really keep hitting the sixes from when someone was bowling at the nursery end and hitting it down towards the mound stand and the tavern stand. And so that meant once they started, they started bowling full and outside of stump from one end and then shorter from the other, it really dried up the runs and it made it difficult. Now, what I think they could have done and should have done in hindsight, maybe wonderful thing, Broad wasn't looking that, uncomfortable uh, whether they started to take Stokes would take one from the start of the over and then Broad try and get one and then Stokes get one so you kind of force the field in again so then he could start hitting over the top and I just wonder if they could have gone down that route instead but look I'm not going to criticise Ben Stokes it did feel like the momentum dried up as they changed their plans because it's really interesting wasn't it they had a little meeting of their leaders I think it was Marnus, Smith, Cummins Hazelwood, Stark or something and then they changed the tactics, started bowling wide, six runs in the next six, seven overs or something, and then he got out. So, yeah, he did slightly get worked out, having done amazing innings, obviously, and it was phenomenal. Yeah, maybe just a bit more trust in Broad. Uh, and then, so Stokes gets out, and you think, right, it's probably done. I wish Ollie Robinson had just hung around a bit longer, because Ollie Robinson can hold a bat. He can really he he genuinely he can genuinely bat and say him and Broad just managed to put on 30, 40. It suddenly feels you put the pressure back onto them. So that was a little bit frustrating because I'm not sure we're seeing the best of Ollie Robinson. I know he's taken quite a lot of wickets, but it doesn't feel to me like he's at the top level of his performance that we saw last summer. And that's frustrating because he's the only person who can affect whether he's at top level. Yeah. And even the summer before, I mean, when he it was an India test at the Oval. I think that was in September 2021. And uh, maybe it was last summer. I can't remember. Either way, he bowled first day, I remember going, and he bowled fantastically. And he hasn't quite hit that level. I would say he was very unlucky. Beat the bat a lot, particularly in the second innings. And there was a period of time after weird uh, England's sort of collapse the night, the previous night and that morning. He then did bowl very well and was quite unlucky. But I agree, we haven't quite seen the best of him. And it was a shame. I have, was speaking to the 
to my an old housemate of mine who I was sitting next to, and and we agreed that we didn't think they once Stokes got out they'd chase more than thirty or forty, and he got out with us needing still around seventy something. No, was... I, I, it was always going to be unlikely. I just I think it wasn't completely dead. It was it was it was almost dead, but. If Robinson and Broad had just been able to hang around a bit, turns out Josh Tang can hold a bat. Josh Tang hangs around a bit. Anderson was quite determined. He was hanging in there. What did we get it down to? We got it down to 40-something by the time we lost. So 43 runs, I think they won by. It was just quite disappointing to go from 300 for six to 304 for nine. That was quite frustrating. Um, but it was probably, like, it was all bit dumb when Stokes got out. So that's the way it is. But we're 2-0 down now. Um, we haven't actually spoken about the rest of this test or the test before. So any other thoughts on this test before we jump back and test, Rob? Uh, the only thoughts were, I think, for both of them, England will think this is one that got away. When Duckett and Crawley were smoking it, and even once uh, Crawley got out, stumped down the leg side, but Pope and Duckett were looking comfortable, were 180 for one. That pitch was flat, you know. And the they spinner stumped. had got off. Lion gone. Bowling bounces is tiring. Clearly difficult to play the bouncer. I do think we realised that as the test went on. We saw how Smith got out hooking. Kawagli got out hooking. Duckett got out hooking again in the second innings. It's almost too pace when it's a short ball. Sometimes it, it's a bit low on you. Sometimes it gets a bit high on you. Sometimes you're late on it. Sometimes you're early on it. Um, as ever, Ben Stokes looked like he was playing on a different wicket to everyone else. Yeah. Hit him all into the stands. But everyone else struggled. And so I do think that... Uh, that that was a big moment though. That evening session that really cost us dear, and uh, even even the next day, I was still hopeful. Stokes was there, Brooke was there. I was still thinking, what we're 170 or behind with, or how not even that many with six wickets left. I was still feeling good. I was actually more upset the next morning, losing six for 40 odd. And having like losing that lead and then not bowling particularly well <laughs> at the openers afterwards. Like, yeah, I, I, know... I, I thought we bowled okay. I think we were unlucky when we bowled. The batting was frustrating. Stokes, first ball of the day he faces, he plays across the line, tries to hit it into the leg side, gets the leading edge. That was frustrating because hits that back straight past start. You know, he's not getting out. So that was, although everyone, at least it, it wasn't getting out trying to, smash it for six like the rest of the team it was still a a, a bad dismissal the brook one i felt a bit bad for him because i saw exactly what he was trying to do he was trying to hit it there's only had one fielder in front of square on the offside and he was trying to hit it sort of extra cover mid off area hit a couple of shots there get eight off the over try and almost hit the short ball tactic out or get him to adjust the field so then he can play other shots to the short ball but stark did well to follow him and then it looked I just so- it looks so ugly when you're backing away and trying to carve it over, over cover and getting caught. It's it's just Harry Brook is a prodigy, right? We know this. Harry Brook is a phenomenal talent. And he's got himself out three out of four innings so far. And his top score is a low 50 when he's looked good in all of them, apart from the one where he got a nut. And fair enough, that happens. Um, I think I'm just getting a little bit frustrated with him because I think there's so much more to come from him. And I want him to get, this is the Ashes. This is the most important cricket you will ever play. If you hit a ton here, you're a hero. I just want... Oh, I don't know. He probably already knows that, but it's just it's just frustrating. He also saw saw a journalist write about this. When has he scored runs, big runs against high high pace? Because he's made a lot of his runs against attacks with seamers in the low eighties. Because not many World Elevens have ninety mile bowlers. 
And I do think he's struggling a little bit against the quality and pace of their bowling. I th- I think it's harsh to say when's he scored runs against pace, but he hasn't really faced much pace. There's no doubt that he, I mean, he, he, he breathes to 50. He breathes to 50. He can play these bowlers, no problem. It's just uh, shots. Have they worked him out a little bit? Though? Like this short ball thing, they're, they're not going to stop doing it to him. I, I've, he has an unbelievable amount of ability. I'm not worried at all. Well, then he, want, but then he'd be he good if he made a ton. Then, yeah. then, he, then he needs to make a ton because he does have an unbelievable amount of ability. And I think it he can't just be rooting Stokes making tons. It just can't. So Heard, heard it here first. Harry Brooks scores 100 heading me. Well, that'd be good, particularly as it's the same ground. Look, I, look, at the end of this test, I've gone and put a £20 bet on England to win the Ashes 3-2 because I've just got a feeling they're going to be so pissed off. They're going to be so annoyed by the incident and the fact that they've almost thrown away two winning positions that they might actually be a bit sharper this time. It might be a bit less vibes. Oh, we're just here having a good time. We just want to have a good time with our mates wearing our pocket hats. And they might be like, actually, we want to beat the Australians. And yeah, it's taken us two tests to realise that, but we really want to win now. And so we're going to actually go and practice some slip catching. We might bat a bit longer. And yeah, no golf today, boys. Like, I'm hoping that's what's genuinely happened because... The talent has been so obvious in these two tests. We could have won both tests and we've lost them both from throwing away good situations and from dropping catches and just being a bit loose and slack compared to them who are on it. That's all. We've lost it. They've not won it. Uh, Ability is very similar in both teams. Uh, they, they play very different type of cricket. We've got different types of bowlers. They do have a better spinner, particularly with Leeks being out, but Lyme is better anyway. He's now gone. Todd Murphy looks good, but it'll be a test for him because he's played in Asia and done well. And this will be, it's a, it's a bit different and we'll, I think, go after him. But in essence, both teams are pretty evenly matched. I think if I did a head to head 11 or I had to pick a combined 11, I'm probably picking more Australians than I am. In- oh, I'm definitely picking more Australians. I think they have the better team, but there's a lot of raw ability in ours. And I do think the way we play can give us an edge if it's applied correctly. It's just, it's a fine line between controlled aggression and stupidity exactly and so i think talent wise it's very close if not certainly in the batting we might edge it but in application which is what what matters scoring runs in test matches not oh he looks good uh they they definitely edge it and they've just been sharper and seemed more uh, i've been really impressed with them actually even with the they've i think even the way they uh, when it was all kicking off at, at Lords, because they got out of control, and you could see Cummins was a bit like, "Oh my word, what is happening?" Uh, they kept calm, stuck to plan, won the game, two nil, two close games away from home. They've gone and won both of them. If this was the other way round, we would be cock a hoop about England going and winning at the Gabba and at um, oh, yeah. Adelaide, first two tests, and like squeezing out close wins. They've done amazingly well and they fully deserve to be two. No, it's, it's incredibly impressive. They've managed to stay consistent and we haven't, and they've taken the wins. Fair play. The way Cummins took that first test was clutch. It really was. Um, and he took it from the jaws of defeat. But I still think we can win. And I still think when everyone keeps saying, well, this hasn't been overturned, like 2 0 deficit hasn't been overturned since 1904. Well, that's because previously draws happened in test cricket but there's not going to be a draw in this series unless it absolutely floods one of the tests so it was, i mean the only think... time i think it's happened is 1937 and they had don bradman so i think that is like what like... was don what was don doing in the first two tests i ask <laughs> not a lot but it doesn't you know he scored more test runs at headingly than any other player he's played four test matches scored two triple hundreds a double hundred and a hundred 
absolutely mental. That's really funny. Well, as long as they're not exhuming him for tomorrow, then I think we've got a decent chance. And I think we are going to get results. I've got 20 to 1 odds. Or 10 to 1 odds. 10 to 1 odds. So I'm feeling good. It's going to... It could happen. Um, I, Just the other point of difference, I do think, in the team, the two other big points of difference. I think the batting, you're right. I think we do edge it if they get their heads down and turn them into hundreds. Their keeper is a lot better. Johnny Besto does not look fit to keep, and I can't really believe he's keeping. And I cannot, 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 cannot. I'm so angry about this. I cannot believe they're not recalling folks now that Pope's injured. It's the most mental decision. And I think there's a really, really weird deal they've got with Besto where they've promised him you'll be our keeper forever. Because he can't keep. He let through 20 odd buys. He's missed how many chances. He doesn't even look like he can move at the moment. Have you noticed? He's not sidestepping. He's too busy. One thing we haven't spoken about is him lifting up a just stop oil protest from walking into the boundary. But he's too busy doing his weights. I mean, he doesn't look flexible enough. Or no, he doesn't. He can't do the sidestep that keepers need to do. Have you noticed any catch he takes? It's really heavy. Like he kind of flumps with his dive. It's nothing looks easy or graceful at he's all. A be- he's a beefy boy. Like he is. He's. I mean, I'm not saying he's fat. Of course, he's not. He's a lot fitter than I am. But he's he's chunky. He's quite. He's well not light on his feet, and he right. and he doesn't look lighter on his feet than he used to, if I put it like that. And you know what? He's had a double leg break. You probably couldn't just return to keeping super easily at the top, top level. So he's also 32. So he's on the in the second half of his career. Yeah, it just it's mad. And I kind of got it because of the makeup of the side. I think me and you spoke about it. There wasn't really a way you could shoehorn both him and folks in previously. But with Pope getting injured, you've got your chance. Uh, so frustrated. <laughs> who's it going to be? They're saying Lawrence, Harry Brooks, bang at three. Dan Lawrence is going to slot into the rest somewhere in the order, and that's fine. You know, Harry Brook at three could actually work really well. And prove me wrong, Harry Brook. Go and pump those nice amount of bowlers everywhere, and go to your first Test hunting against Australia. I hope, I hope that happens. And I like Dan Lawrence. I've always liked Dan Lawrence, and he kind of fits the basketball approach. But folks would be really good in this team. Having folks is a little bit of sensible batting towards the end to counter all of the fire and having his wonderful keeping which you especially need when you get on to the next point which is that our bowlers look ancient compared to their wonderful bowling attack and so any chances we do create need to get taken but yeah the folks figures to do my head in and i just think it seems a bit of a stitch up yeah i agree um other other changes you'd make anderson Said himself, it's the worst two tests I've ever played, but don't blame my age. I'm don't blame my age. <laughs> really sorry, mate. When you're that late on a catch at point, I've seen I've seen old boys play club cricket and they're losing the ball. That that's what it seemed like to me. Like yeah. Are you talking about the one which got thumped through him before? Not the uh, one which the dolly. Both. The one that went through his hands more, but both of them. That that screamed to me a lad, he's not picking the ball up quick enough because he's 40. Yeah, yeah, you could be right. I mean, I thought his whole attitude in the field just kind of stunk, to be honest. Like, there was a moment on day one where it was a really easy misfield. They let him through for one or two. He just didn't get down. Two drop catches, kind of... He's always grumpy, right? But it's not great to have a really grumpy person in your team who's also not really bowling or batting. Like, Yeah, I thought he actually at times bowled all right. He didn't go for many runs, kept it pretty tight at times, but he didn't look as threatening. He... For me, he's the one who gives way for if we're going to bring a spinner back, we bring Moeen back, um, which I think we will. 
providing his fingers okay. I think it's you then go Robinson, Tongue, Broad. I don't know if Wood where Wood's fitness is at yet. I think so. So I've so I saw yesterday Will McPherson tends to get the scoop on who's going to play. Apparently, Moeen, Wokes, and Wood all coming in. Interesting. Which would mean Anderson, probably Tongue, and one of Broad or, and- Broad or Robinson. I wouldn't. Wokes needed to play at Lords. That was when we needed to bring Wokes in. That was a mistake. He bats where he would have lengthened the batting lineup. He bowls really well there. Bringing Wokes instead of Anderson could be in a different game again. But hey, it is what it is. I think Scott Boland would have bowled really well on that pitch. Um, but they uh Ah, oh, but Mitchell Stark coming in was definitely the right choice. Yeah, like, but you know, magic I, I'm, not, I'm not sure Hazelwood are the best game. So, you know, perhaps I, I think that might be a switch for Headingley for them. I think Hazelwood might drop out for Boland. Start start yeah. great. Yeah, definitely. I don't want to drop Broad. He love he lives for the Ashes. He makes things happen. He you yeah. can't drop him. One thing we didn't talk about, which was definitely my favourite bit of the day, was him coming out as if he's like the moral arbiter of cricket. That's the worst thing I've seen on the cricket field. You'll be remembered for that forever. Having ten years ago, like middled one to first slip and not so walk. The point is, just on this, he didn't actually middle it to first slip. He got a thin edge and it bounced off Haddon's gloves to first slip. He hit, he hit it firmly. He, he got a, lot, a big edge on that. It was pretty outrageous. And it was, hadn't it like deflected the first, it was still going that way. Uh, I, I love that. Anyway, that was my no, though, Him coming out was hilarious. And like all the exaggerated, is this okay? Am I in? Is this okay? Am I in? Just constantly having words. Like, Broad was the perfect person to be coming out from a theatrical perspective at that moment. So that was, that was wonderful. But yeah, just quickly on the first test. Any thoughts? I mean, again, I kind of thought we had our noses in front for the whole thing. Yeah, should have won it. I think the best they missed dumping on Green was really costly. Uh, he goes on to score 38, 39 runs. Um, you know, bats to Kawaja. Kawaja being bowled off a no ball by Broad. That little afternoon on the Saturday, those were, were key moments. I think that missed stumping, it would have been 130 for five. That's massive. Instead, it was 180, 190, whatever it was for five. Like, it took a while. Yeah. And then Kawaja getting bowled off the no ball by Broad. Like, you know, really, that was really costly as well. So, uh, yeah, they missed opportunities. Pat Cummins uh, and Lyon did brilliantly. I do think Australia won that in the end rather than we lost it. I thought they batted so well. I know we could have mixed it up. Should we have taken the new ball? Were we bowling, you know, the constant short balls? Was that the right tactic? I do think Australia did really well on the final day. They did. And deserve more credit than criticism that should come England's way. But I think there were missed opportunities earlier in the game that would have set up differently. I tell you what as well, second innings, Waja, Edge, and Bersig doesn't move. He just doesn't move. And there was actually, in the test just at Lords, do you remember the drop on day one? The route, low, barely carried. I think that's Bersig's catch. No one said it, but I think that's Bersig's catch because it's not carrying to route. And I think a really good keeper like folks is going for that. And he's t- and he may maybe folks drops it. Maybe folks drops it and they say, Oh, I should have left it for first slip. Who knows? But it barely carried to root. And an agile keeper is potentially going for that. And he just doesn't look confident of where his feet are at the moment. And it is going to keep costing us. Ben McCann was a former keeper. How is he not seeing this? It's it's bizarre. It's bizarre. I I don't understand. I I think it's so wrong. You know, best days like minus a hundred and something for the series. He doesn't even bat that well when he keeps. Like he hasn't got that good a record when he's a keeper. But like the whole basketball thing with Bill on Bairstow coming out at number five and clumping around for fun. 
That's literally where it started. So why aren't we just letting him do that? <laughs> Perfect opportunity, eh? Brooke at three, best at five. I mean, that is fun. Folks that is in. a fun, that is a fun lineup. Oh well. Well then, look, Michael, you're saying we're going to win three two. Is that your your prediction? Well, it has to be. I put some money on it. So yeah. I I think we might win this next test, um, but I don't think we'll win the series. Okay. Okay. Oh, just final final thing. Moeen, sounds like he come back in a spinner. Thoughts on him? You know what? I thought he did all right, to be honest. It's hard bowling a lot of overs when you're not used to it. You've seen how Adil Rashid, who decided to be a white ball specialist, he didn't red ball cricket. He was like, no, no, I'm I'm done with that. So for Moeen to come back in, he bowled more overs in that test match than he did in the whole IPL. Obviously, that finger was causing a lot of problems for him. And I, I don't think he did that badly under the circumstances. But it's not, but it's not on Mo. But I think that's the point. It's not on Moeen that he got picked. So he did, yeah, he did admirably. I mean, but, he came out of retirement. He clearly fancied it. But is it a good pick in I, the context of the Ashes? I don't think so. I think pick someone who's actually able to hold an end up and I, I don't know. I would have gone Liam Dawson. Took a six foot and scored 100. So he did his best when playing county cricket to, to get a call up for one of these later test matches. But I, I, I like Moeen. I think he's my... My main thing is I always say he's a better spinner than Ashley Giles. And Ashley Giles gets renovated for being part of 2005. I think, well, Moeen does have a much better record. And I think I think he's a good... He's a, a good play, can make things happen. And he's won games for England before with, with ball mainly, but we know he can bat. I hope he sticks around a bit more with the bat this time because, yeah, lovely to watch him hit a couple of beautiful shots, but he will always get out on 15 or 14. And it's like, come on, you can bat a bit. You can bat a bit. Please hang around. Yeah. I, I'm i okay with Moeen still being our spinner for now. It depends on that finger. If he plays in this test and his finger's causing problems again after a day and a half, but I'm sorry, we've been warned once. If we've made the same mistake twice, then what can you do? Um, but look, it's, it's been a great series, Michael. I've thoroughly enjoyed it so far. Um, so one phrase I don't understand is whinging poms because they whinge so much more than we do. Oh, they don't like it, do they? Anything comes back at them and it is uproar. They yeah, honestly, they are so precious. They it's honestly I don't it's one thing I don't understand. They they've been bullying English sides for decades. I mean, honestly, if that if we had done what Carey did at the Gabba, imagine the reaction. Exactly. Completely agree. So I don't get the, I don't just get that insult, the winging poms. I don't think I winge a lot. I think I'm quite, maybe I'm different. I don't know. I'm, I'm quite chipper about life. But what I would say is they are thoroughly, they thoroughly deserve to be 2 0 up. Part of that is England's fault. England know they could be 2 0 up, but they're not. And that's on them. Uh, and that's also on Australia for, for being a bit more clutch in those key moments. Uh, final thoughts again on, on Sunday. A remarkable day of cricket. It was wonderful to be there. Um, I enjoyed the pantomime of it. I hope the pantomime continues uh, with all the booing and jeering. And I think, I think Root did it perfectly. Root said, look, come and support us, create an atmosphere. You don't need to go after them. Just come and help us win, which I think means you can boo them a bit and you can do some chants, but just don't make it genuinely out and out aggressive. Just make it a bit of a cauldron, which hopefully will lift us up. Um, also, I'm almost wrong about Zach Crawley. I've almost been proved wrong about Zach Crawley, but it might be good if he actually stays in and doesn't get out playing a stupid shot. That would help. I love him more every time I see him. I think he's the best. So long live Zach Crawley. Long live England. 
And um, yeah, come on, 3-2, let's believe. The miracle's on. I can't say it. 3-2. All right, see you, Rob. Thanks, mate.